Welcome to the Midcast, presented by the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each month we will look at some of the key issues for mission in Scotland today. We'll bring you experienced voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the mission of the church in Scotland. This is clearly a time when churches need to change. We're in this, whatever we're going to call it, post-Christian and post-secular age, and how can we become churches for today and tomorrow rather than today and yesterday? The question being posed is really at the heart of what it is to do mission in Scotland as a church. And so very pertinent for us to talk about here on the Midcast. Welcome along, I'm Glenn Innes. And the voice you heard was Martin Hodson, and we're going to be chatting to Martin in just a moment. The reason for getting Martin on the Midcast, aside from his position in the Baptist Union, is that he's involved with this Lead Academy programme. And one of the key questions I have is not just how do we identify the problem, the post-Christian, post-secular world we find ourselves in, but actually how do we go about the active transition of ourselves and of our churches into churches that are ready, not just for yesterday and today, but as Martin says, for today and for tomorrow. We spent about 20 minutes or so with Martin. It was a great conversation. Unfortunately, in the first 20 seconds or so of the audio is a bit odd, which was my fault, so I apologise for that. But after that, it gets better, and the whole conversation is well worth your time. I hope you enjoy it, and it's informative for you. Martin. Welcome to the Midcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Martin, it'd be great if you could maybe tell us a little about yourself. So you are the Ministry Coordinator. Is that the correct title you have at the moment? Well, that is almost correct. Ministry Development Coordinator. But to be honest, I sometimes forget what my title is, so you can be entirely forgiven for that. Uh, So I serve as part of the national team of our network of churches, our family of churches, the Baptist Union of Scotland, and got a particular focus on the development of ministers and leaders in churches uh, around the country. I give quite a lot of time to people in the early years of ministry, the pre-accredited ministers, but also work with leadership teams and uh, supporting continuing development for ministers of all stages of experience. And before that, what was what did you do before? Because you've only been here with the union, what, four years? Yeah, well, just over three years, actually, yeah. So um, originally, once I was a manager in the clothing industry, but then for quite a long time I've been a Baptist minister in Aberdeen and then down in England in Worcester. And yeah, and I think I think I've been deeply committed to the mission of the church and particularly to developing church where everyone makes the contribution that God has called them to do where people work together fruitfully in kind of in small ways and big ways to help the church become what God has made it to be. Well, well as, part as part of that, of that and as part of your role as the ministry development coordinator, I have seen that you run this program called Lead Academy, uh, which I know a little about, but not a great deal. So hopefully you can enlighten me and those listening uh, today. So what is Lead Academy, first of all? Probably a good place to start. Well, Lead Academy is a two-year learning community um, that engages teams of leaders 
in a series of gatherings over two years focusing on, um, first of all, purpose and vision, and then leadership, and then mission, and then discipleship. Those, those subjects always bleed into each other somewhat, but that's roughly the journey we go on. Um, I actually discovered Lead Academy because a few years ago when I was leading a local church, I, with my leadership team, went on, uh, went on a Lead Academy learning community and uh, just found it the most transformative thing, really, I think I ever did with my leadership team. We'd, we were at a point where we'd recently opened a new church building and there'd been an awful lot of energy building up towards the new building. That had been the excitement, the focus, and in a sense, the vision. And we suddenly found ourselves in a, in a space of vision deficit, in a way. We, we were here with this lovely new building in a new part of the city and were kind of not as clear as we thought we were on what God wanted wanted us to do and actually the two-year learning community for us was very significant in helping us discover a mission to the neighborhood what the nature of that was how we would go about it and led us into a time of real fruitfulness in terms of growth in the life of the church so that's what lead academy is it's for teams it's uh, over two years uh, gathering around those subjects can you say the subjects again yeah so 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 the subjects are first of all um, well, let me go back a little bit. So over, over the two years, we gather four times for two days each time. So the first two days are focused on purpose and vision. Uh, we ask that question, what is the purpose of your church? And find that, on the whole, very few leadership teams have asked that question, or certainly not asked it in the last decade, uh, because we tend to be busy keeping the show on the road, tend to be busy maintaining what is, um, without going deeper and saying, well, actually, what is the purpose? What has God put us here for? So we look at that, and connected with that, then, is what, what sort of vision we're developing, and is the culture of the church consonant with the the purpose mm-hmm. or is it working against the purpose so we look at that in the first two-day um, gathering and then we move on to look at leadership and really we say is our leadership structure suited to our purpose and are we developing and creating and nurturing leaders who will enable us to uh, to fulfill the vision we've been given and then the third part is about um, is about mission and reviewing are we really do we really exist only for the insiders or do we in reality exist for the insiders even though we embrace the idea of outward looking mission or are we a church that has got a, a real understanding of how God has called us to uh, be good news for the people outside the church. And then the final session, we look at discipleship and building discipleship into our lives and the lives of uh, everyone uh, connected or touched by the church. So maybe what happens in these gatherings, that might be a helpful thing for us just to picture in our minds. You've got two days together. What does that look like? Well, one of the important things to say is that... um, the, the, the gatherings are for um, a group of church leadership teams okay. in one of our learning communities. We've got nine churches at the moment. So that's the minister or the team leader and um, a bunch of other people from the leadership team. And that's really important because I think what 
has happened to a lot of ministers or church leaders over the years is we've been away to conferences or special events. We've got really enthused by the inspiration from some some speaker who's done some great things in the local church. And then we've come back and tried to kind of cascade that to our leadership team and discovered that on a wet Tuesday evening, it's much harder to conjure up the enthusiasm that we felt in the big gathering in the concert hall with a thousand people listening to the dynamic speaker and and so so the 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 genius i think of learning communities is that the kind of overall leader or the senior leader and the team go away together they are involved in the same learning and processing the material together as part of the learning community so they begin to evolve together a sense of this is what god's saying to us a, a, a common enthusiasm for certain objectives or certain principles or certain possibilities. So to answer your question, what happens when we come together? Um, we worship together as we begin, and then there would be um, there would be a series of blocks of input on on the theme of the community, and um, some of those would be taught by the people present. But we've got quite a faculty of uh, of contributors who've prepared special material for Lead Academy. So, for example, in the one I was just at last week, we had Pete Scazzaro, who we know well from the uh, um, the Emotionally Healthy Church, and so on. So he 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 he's done some teaching specifically of a lead academy uh, we had sorry i should say we had him by video not live and um and then we've got we've got um some some other guys there's, there's um michael harvey who invented back to church sunday a few years ago who's absolutely passionate about the need to invite people uh he his his conviction is churches are great at events but rubbish at inviting people to them and he's got some great stuff so he he kind of does some teaching either live or or by uh by video so so there are slots of teaching after each one there's an activity that the individual leadership teams do together so they have space to process as a team how does this apply to us how does this contextualize so no one's saying this is the one size fits all model that will renew your church but it's saying here are some things that god seems to be saying god seems to be doing god seems to be teaching other people how might they play out in your situation what might god's spirit be nudging you as a team towards so so there's a lot of time working with your local team there's then some time factored in for interacting with the other teams from the other churches although that's not a massive part of it um and then the the final thing we do at the end of two days of input and um, response is each church creates an action plan and uh, they write that down and share that with everyone else on, on a big sheet uh, the the key points they will do in the next six months before the next learning community and the genius of that really is that it brings in a level of accountability everyone goes away knowing that in six months they're going to have to give account to everyone else in the community of whether they've done anything about what they've talked about I like that old adage, people don't do what you expect, they do what you inspect. And the nice thing about Lead Academy is there's a, there's a measure of inspection. So when we return to the second or third or fourth learning community, the first activity we do is have everyone report back on the progress they've made since the last time. Uh, two quick little things that come up out of what you've said. Um, first, just a pragmatic one. What days does this meet on? Is it, is it on a weekend? Is it through the week? We do weekdays, yeah. So we've usually done a Tuesday and a Wednesday. 
we are running them and they're for our Baptist family. So it's Baptist churches that are on the, the program. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a we, we've this is a partnership between the Baptist Union of Scotland and Lead Academy. Lead Academy um, have have done a couple of hundred <laughs> learning communities around the UK over the last seven or eight years since they've been working with with a range of different networks. Um, yeah. So this is a particular partnership we've done with them. Uh, Martin, is this for churches who are struggling? Is it for uh, churches that are that have no clue where they're going, or is it for I'm struck by the fact that the story you told was of a story that was clearly growing, had built their new building, that there was a lot of life about it. Why do they need that help almost seems like the the question. So so who what kind of church is Lead Academy for? It is genuinely for any kind of church that wants to develop. It really wouldn't be any use if you don't want to change it's it's a transformational process and i would say in particular it's for churches that either want to develop vision or are beginning to develop vision but are thinking about how do we implement this because my conviction from being around baptist churches in the uk for many years and in scotland particularly for the last few years is that we're great at developing vision statements we love to go away for a saturday develop a vision statement someone writes it up it's got lots of points it's presented really nicely on our website maybe it's printed out and pinned up on the church wall as well but everyone quickly forgets about it or they rehearse the phrases but little is done about it just because we're not very good at implementation it's not it's not a focus we've got and the great thing about a learning community is that the the focus is on implementation so let's move on a little bit I, i have some questions here about really why should a church get involved and we've touched touched a little bit on that um but it's clear that any church committing to this, it, it, it's a big commitment. You know, it's a two-year commitment. It's a during-the-week commitment, which presumably we're hoping to have people who are not uh, staff members or, or there, which will bring a challenge. So um, I guess those two things to begin with. One, how, how do you say, to, somebody says, oh, you know, this is going to take two years. It feels too long. We need an answer yesterday. And then just that, maybe in that, you could talk about the very pragmatic question of how we make sure that we have, uh, for want of a better phrase, lay leaders uh, there at at these events. The two-year process, I I recognise that in, in some ways that sounds like a long time. Actually, for anyone wanting to bring about change in church, two years is probably the minimum length of time to develop anything that might really represent a change in the life and the culture of a community and probably it takes longer than that in a way two years gives a kick start to a process of development that will well likely last two or three years more before moving into the next major stage of revisioning so yeah, I think I think we need to think like that. If, if we're looking for the kind of the, the the silver bullet to change everything really quickly, we're probably asking the wrong question. Uh, the question is how can we journey together over a period of time? How can we get good support? How can we get um, 
continual kind of stimulation to um, address the right questions during that time. So, so yeah, I think I think it, it needs to be that journey. So, um, so last week we had the final session of our first learning community here. We've got a, another one uh, partway through at the moment, but the ones who'd finished were all very keen to say, "Can we have a review gathering again in twelve months' time? Because we've got a lot more work to do, and it will be great to get together." So, so that's what we're doing. Although that's not a formal uh, part of the original two-year commitment. Now you you asked about the about, about the, the the midweek thing. I, I'm just I, as we talk, I'm, I'm, it seems clear to me that one of the challenges that might come is well, how how do I get people to presumably have to take time off work or or whatever? How yeah. how have you found that? Well, difficult for 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 many is is the truth. Um, I think that it is a big ask, but it's been very interesting how teams have managed to come and and the truth is for most churches not all the team have been able to attend a majority have but most churches have had for example if you're a school teacher you've no flexibility with your time off if it's term time and so on um you know and there are other reasons why people can't make it but the the willingness of some people to take annual leave in order to come has been fantastic. Um, some people work part-time and have been able to shift their hours um, to organise to be there. Three or four people have found that when they've talked to their employer about it, they've given them the time off, either because they say, well, it's part of your charitable commitment to a local church or this is the leadership development course which we're not funding and we're actually very happy for you to go and do some leadership development um so so there are ways that people have been able to uh, to come along on that basis as well so so it's a big ask but i think i think we feel it's a high commitment uh, it's a high commitment project you, you can't do a learning community half-heartedly you've got to throw yourself into it and part of that commitment is carving out the time and of course in our our busy lives that's 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 a big commitment for for everyone so you said that we've done we've run one full program uh and we're halfway through uh, a second one are there any stories of encouragement that come out of that that you would like to tell us and i realize they're not really your stories they're other people's so yeah that's right i mean i hope we'll have more chance for people to tell their own stories i think that all the churches that have that have been through the course would say that the the, the, the there's a change just just in the edge um of the the way the church is being led and and being developed because of learning to ask the right questions um so churches that are asking why are we doing this continually what what are we looking for here um has quite a quite a powerful effect in itself now that's all highly non-specific uh, but i think defining what they're about has been really important for churches so so i'm thinking of one church that's repurposed its small groups and said it's just not it's just not helpful for us to do that thing. Someone called it warehousing Christians, didn't they? Um, we need to find a way that our small groups can be on God's mission and have been developing different possibilities for that. Um, thinking of um, and um, at least a couple of the churches that decided to have major invitation events, partly just to uh, to turn the tables on that that 
poor habit of invitation we have to put on a major invitation event and teach the church and encourage the church and pray together about the task of invitation and really raise the bar in whom they would uh, in, invite. So one of the churches did a big kind of community weekend and uh, were delighted by the sheer number of people who came uh, simply because folk had invited them to it. Um, and I, I think some of the churches that have been part of it have been very intentionally renewing their leadership. Uh, in 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 one case, that would be restructuring the way they kind of recruit and appoint leaders, so that younger, more enthusiastic and visionary people get drawn into the team rather than a culture where leadership was always the people who were a safe pair of hands who'd put in 30 years of taking the offering before being allowed to step up. That's obviously a, an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think that renewal of leadership and also um, um, some of the churches have put a real attention on the leadership pipeline. They're really asking who are the people we are developing in leadership? How are we developing them? And uh, what are the implications for us if actually we have a much richer leadership resource here in the church? So I think there will be more specific stories to be told by others about the impact on individuals' lives. But I see a very healthy change in the, in, in the, in the nature and, and development of local churches through this. Um, one last, I, I guess, um, question just of interest to me. And I wonder if some people listening have picked up on this. There's a lot of talk about leadership. And so I just wonder how you've found that to function in our Baptist ecclesiology, in the, in the sense that do do the leaders almost need to be sent to a lead academy by a church meeting to say, go away and do this? Are we just creating the same problem you mentioned earlier, where the minister goes off and comes back and tries to convince his leadership team? Is there a risk that the leadership go off and they're going to have to come back and try and do that, as you said, the wet Tuesday night convincing the congregation? It have How has that played out? in any of the churches that you're aware of? That's a great set of questions. So some of the churches taking part have had a church meeting decision to send the leadership to Lead Academy. Uh, some of them haven't done that. The team have decided together that it's the right thing to do. But I think there, 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 there is something particularly rich where, where the church have uh, you know, kind of discovered what, uh, what the learning community is and sent the leaders to it. Now, I mean, you're right, there's always the issue of cascading what you have discovered or what you're committed to, to a larger group. But I think there's a couple of things here. Part of the genius of the learning community is simply that the leadership team themselves can gather around a vision that is attractive, engaging and demanding and have got something to bring to the church. And that is, I think, we have to agree, part of the role of leadership. The leadership don't demand the church do things, but they bring, uh, they bring vision. They bring some kind of uh, kind of core direction into which all voices can speak and discern if that is from God. So I think we're in a much better place in terms of what. Uh, what leadership teams can bring to the whole gathered church. I think also in in the process of talking about leadership, we've thought very carefully about how leadership teams relate really well to a church meeting because quite a few teams come saying, well, we could do some great stuff, but the church meeting is a headache. 
Now that's that's an unfortunate fact of some culture within within our network, but it's a reality, and we need to re envision that. We need to say, well, actually, how can uh, how how can the church meeting event become visionary? Focus on the right things. How can we as leadership teams listen first, take away, pray, reflect, develop, and then bring back to the church meeting something that reflects what has come out of the church meeting, but as uh, that that is a seasoned with the wisdom and the insights of the leadership team who have been appointed to do that. So there's quite a few things around that. I mean, there aren't simple answers, but I do think that learning communities are equipping for churches that are working in our kind of congregational, communally discerning uh, way of being church. Great. And I think the exciting thing is that it is a leadership team that's doing this. It's not just an individual coming away and, and doing that, that there's a real sense of the team part to it. Do you have anything that you haven't had a chance to say that you'd really like to to inspire our listeners to say, actually, Lead Academy, that's for us? I find it difficult to think of any of our churches that wouldn't benefit from it. So um, about 10% of the churches uh, in, in, in our network are currently in learning communities and I don't see why 50% couldn't be over the next few years, maybe more, because I think there's so much to gain for, for any church at whatever stage in the journey you're in. I should add, our, our friends in Cairn, in the Cairn Network, are doing some great learning communities as well, and two or three of our Baptist churches are a part of that, and that's, that's, that's a great framework. And for some people, the Cairn Learning Community, which is actually quite similar to the Lead Academy ones we're doing, uh, might be the right thing, and I'd really encourage people to explore that if they're in, in touch with that as well. But uh, I think that to get ourselves... This is clearly a time when churches need to change. We're in this, whatever we're going to call it, post-Christian and post-secular age, and how can we become churches for today and tomorrow rather than today and yesterday is one of the biggest questions. And if, if someone's got a better structure for exploring that, I'm, I'm fantastically pleased. But one of the useful things we've got right now is learning communities. And so for the people who are listening who are like, right, sign me up, how do they go about doing that? Well, we're starting the next learning community in February 2019. That'll actually be running on the 18th and 19th of February. Um, so anyone who is interested in finding out more about that could contact myself at the Baptist Union office. We will start a further learning community in the second half of 2019, and we're hoping that will be up north, maybe um, somewhere in the Inverness Highland area. So for listeners in that area, it may well be worth uh, saying um, we'd be interested in something that's a bit more local to that part of the country. So you'll find all that information in the show notes. Uh, there'll be links to Lead Academy. We'll put Martin's email address there. Don't don't send them spam, just good stuff. Uh, and please do get in touch with Martin if you have any other questions about Lead Academy or anything like that. Martin, it just remains to say thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been great to have you on the podcast and uh, we look forward to having you back with some other folks perhaps telling some stories of what's come out of Lead Academy in the future. That would be great. Thanks very much, Lion. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you check the show notes below, you'll find links to all the stuff that Martin's mentioned, 
uh, as well as a link to the main Lead Academy website. Let me encourage you, do actually get involved with this. Everybody I know who has participated in a learning community, either the Lead Academy ones or, as Martin mentioned, the Cairn Movement Learning Communities, all, everybody speaks so highly of them and have found them helpful at any number of levels in church life, but particularly as they think about what it might look like to be more missionally effective in the communities they find themselves. That's it from this MIGcast, but I would love you to take the time to pass on the good news of the MIGcast, if you like. If you have enjoyed this and the other episodes, then please, could you retweet it? Could you stick it on Facebook? We'd love for as many people as possible to get the advantage of this resource. If you have ideas for people we should sit down and interview or talk to or topics you'd like us to have a look at, then please get in touch with us. You can do that through Twitter at BUS Midcast, or you can do it on the website, uh, either on the Podbean site, or you can do it on the scottishbaptist.com forward slash Midcast site, or you can email me and we'd love to hear from you uh, about that. If you're coming to Assembly in October, and here's a wee quick plug, come to Assembly in October at the Motherwell Civic Centre, we would love to see you there. But we are going to have, hopefully, if technology allows, we're going to have a live roundtable midcast uh, as one of the sessions. And we're really looking for, we've got the participants, but we're really looking for this to be an audience participation sport as well. So we would love you to take the time to come along to that session. I believe that will be on Friday afternoon. Thanks once again for taking the time to download the MIGCast. It's been great talking with you. We are out. You've been listening to the MIGCast, a presentation of the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland.